Hi, friends. How's everybody doing? I want to thank our executive producer for today's show. Our executive producers are Lady Sandy, Lady Laura, and Lady April. I'd like to thank those ladies very much because if it wasn't for them, this show would not be coming to you right now. If you'd like to become an executive producer for the show for a contribution of $20 or more, that keeps us on the air. We have a big problem with advertisements. Some of the stuff we do is is advertised, is uh, monetized, as you can see, but not most of it. Appreciate you guys very much. You can uh, send a cash app or what do you call it, a super thanks if you're looking at the video and you enjoy it. You can also help by hitting the thumbs up. If you subscribe and you hit the bell with all notifications, that allows you to join in the conversation. And if you're new here, that's what this is about. This is a conversation with you. That's all it's about. That's what we have here at Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. You're listening to or watching Midnight Radio. We have a really good show for you today. A really good show. We have someone who's getting someone from TikTok, a self, self, um, what do you call it? Self-appointed psychic. Is getting sued by a college professor, and we're going to go into the details of that case. Uh, for those of you that don't know the real rules about doxing, you don't know the real rules about um, defamation and slander, you're going to learn today because there's a lot of information that goes on YouTube. People have accused me of it since you guys have been watching the show, which is not true. Um, I'm a business major. This is one of the things we study is how not to slander and all these other things on YouTube. Did you know that on YouTube there's not a rule about doxing? Mm-mm. There's certain words we can't say, like we're not supposed to say M-U-R-D-E-R or S-U-C-I-D-E. We're supposed to say unlived or um, we're not supposed to talk about a certain public health uh, pandemic. We're supposed to call that the C word, and there's different things like that. Now there's even more things that just came out a day or two ago about something new to deal with the elections. I'm not sure. But anyhow, things are controlled in that way. And before we go on here, I want to talk a little bit about my humor. My humor is my humor. It is me, whether I'm talking about a cheese pizza or apple strudel, or if there was a murder, my humor is my humor. You'll notice, though, listen to what I'm saying. I'm never making light of the murdering or the victims because it's not funny. I use my humor as a way to point you to something. I'm pointing to how ridiculous the media can be, how they play both sides, how there's mixed messaging and how they're doing that on purpose, mixed messaging on the part of the media. And there's mixed messaging on the part of the FBI and the police department involved. That is what I'm making fun of. Um, And everything I'm showing you, I have a link to in the description below. So if you don't want to hear my commentary on it, you don't have to. I mean, I understand that. I completely understand that. But if I find the need to comment through a clip I'm playing, that just 
for those of you that have some intelligence this lighting, you know that there's not anything worth playing there and me talking through it brings it value. And for those of you that don't know, in the land of YouTube, in the creator world, I can't just play a clip without talking through it. I'm actually supposed to talk through it. It's a part of fair use where I turn one work and turn it into another work. You see, that way I'm not violating copyright because after all, I'm not like the announcer to Ashley Banfield, although I do appreciate her very much. Without further ado, girl, Banfield, and we're going to talk about it on the flip side. We'll see if I interrupt or not. I'm high. I can't help it. Breaking news tonight, 48 University of Idaho murders and the driver who was likely the very last man to see Maddie Mogan and Kaylee Gonzalez alive. Holy crap, you guys sent me this, and I was like, wow. First of all, I got a Banfield. First of all, they're talking about the driver. Is speaking to News Nation tonight. The Uber driver who brought the kids home the night of the murders, Kaylee's family, reported that their daughter had indeed ordered an Uber. And now the man who drove them is revealing exclusive details to us about that ride home. Exclusive, exclusive details. And what the girls said in the back of that car. News Nation correspondent Alex Capriello is live tonight. He tracked him down. He joins me from outside the home in Moscow. That was a, a very difficult task. Tell me what you found out, Alex. Yeah, I was able to find this rideshare driver. He's one of only about four here in the Moscow area. So I was able to track down that phone number and give him a call uh, personally, speak to him. I asked him point blank, hey, are you the guy who drove Kaylee and Maddie home that night? And uh, to his credit, he was very transparent, very honest, very open, almost immediately with me. Well... Understandably, he has said, Alex, that he is very concerned. It's a small community. He doesn't want to be on camera, but he was very revealing in, in what he told you about that ride home. Start there. What did the girls talk about in the back seat? Well, he said that it was actually a rather innocent conversation from the beginning. You might remember that he picked up these two girls from that grub truck. It's the food truck that's located right in downtown Moscow. And really, he said that was the center of their conversation. The entire five-minute ride home was about their mac and cheese carbonara that they were planning on splitting. All right. And that's really all there is to show. Their mac and cheese. That's what they talked about. That's it. Nothing more. I'm not going to play the rest of the clip because it's not worth it. That was a minute and 43 in to a six minute and 56 conversation about macaroni. Do I need to go over it more? If you're interested in it, the link will be down below. But if I just play it, I'm just going to be talking through it because there's nothing there. Now, somebody sent me another clip, and this was during the holiday, and I guess the second stream what do you call it, news spokesperson was reading the prompter instead of Ashley Banfield. Of course, she got the holiday off, man. You know, she's a senior correspondent to News Nation. It's been around for about 12 months. And um, maybe it's been two two years now. Anyhow, they talked about this macaroni and cheese incident again. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, how do you drag two news segments out of this macaroni and cheese conversation? She brought somebody that used to work for the CIA. Um, now they're the correspondents 
the, have the FBI and the CIA people who are now correspondents to these news, news agencies talking about the fact that the conversation wasn't significant is significant. I want to say bullshit on that one. That's like saying, well, there's significance to the socks this person is wearing. The fact that they even wore socks could tell you a great deal. In in fact, it could. Or it could tell you not a damn thing. Like one hand clapping in the woods. Am I cynical? No. You know what? I I got some good, some real information to play for you here that takes just a little bit of investigation instead of having a crew of people not doing too damn much. Because you guys are awesome. You guys send this to me. You guys are the ones that are producing this show. It couldn't go on every day, every day without you. Somebody asked me if I was getting fatigued and cynical. The answer is no, I'm not. I, I was one day uh, a couple weeks ago, but that was it. And that wasn't from this show. It was from just physically. And that was probably just from the holiday season. I have this. Some real information. We have, one of the things is, the aunt of Jack D, who a lot of you guys think think is involved in this, she came out and she had something to say about Jack D. And I thought that was interesting. So, yeah, let's go over that. Um, I'll read a little bit of this to you. Ex-boyfriend of Idaho, student murder victim, heartbroken as half of America thinks he's killed the love of his life and her three friends, his aunt reveals. This is an interesting scenario because this is like the truest line I've ever read out of all these news agencies. And again, it comes out of the UK because the UK has their shit together. Matter of fact, before I read this article, I have a message of somebody calling to me talking to me about putting shit together. You know, I'm missing the calls. You're just picking the damn things up late, man. Get your shit together. You know, if we all just got our shit together, everything would be all right in this world. I need to get my shit together. You need to get your shit together. They need to get their shit together. We all need to get our shit together. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Yeah, you know what? That's a message from you, the listeners, on the hate mail line. If you'd like to call me and leave some hate mail, please do it. We're having a New Year's Eve celebration special. New Year's Eve Spectacular is called I Hate Jerry Special, 325 We're going to play your messages. We're not going to badmouth you. We're just going to listen to it and have a laugh. I appreciate you guys. Ex-boyfriend of Idaho student murder victim, heartbroken as half of America thinks he killed the love of his life. You guys do. Most of you guys do think that Jack D was the one that killed the love of his life. And most of you, we've done polls, and I believe they're very accurate. You also believe that the roommates knew more than they than we know that they told. We don't know what all they told the cops, but from what we hear, you guys think that they know more. I've got some evidence today that maybe you're right. 
You're right, at least about the roommates. The ex-boyfriend of a victim in the Idaho student murders is heartbroken that half of America thinks he slaughtered the love of his life and three of her friends. But did you know that Kaylee, this is something I didn't know till recently, she broke up with her boyfriend three weeks before the murder. Three weeks, which is when she got the job to move to Texas. So this was a very recent breakup. Some of you guys suspect him because of the way Steve Goncalves looked at him during the vigil. Decor was rolled out by police soon after the November 13th atrocity bullshit. That is not what the police said. They said they ruled him out as of now. That's what they said. But he's been dogged by ridiculous conspiracies, his aunt Brooke Miller said. That's her name, Brooke Miller. She added, he's not only lost the love of his life and what we all thought and probably he thought as well would be his future wife. You know, get married and have kids and all that. Miller told the news, New York Post, half of America thinks he could be responsible. Come on, quit saying the same thing. These are pictures. Uh, for those of you who've seen the last episode before the Christmas special, we showed some interesting speculation, some interesting video footage. We had the astro uh, photographer that took a picture of, you know, the face behind the glass or the side of the face. It looked a lot like it could have been Jack. Could have not been Jack. Could have been a wolf man. He likes to wear his hat backwards, and so did whoever that was. Hell, it could have been Jack. It could have 100% been Jack. doesn't mean it's a murderer because we there's no link between the Hyundai Elantras we know and the murder yet. But we're going to go into that, too. I got some more information about that. Miller said Decour, who's a mechanical engineering major at the university, who was obviously sad about the breakup, but the couple were still friends. She said that Gon Calvez was planning on moving away and the split was amicable. Okay. This is something we speculated on. Now we know that, yes, it was because of the, she was moving away. Days after the murders, it emerged that Gon Calvez and Mogan called Jack at least seven times shortly before their deaths in the very early hours of the morning. Yes, yes, we know this. Now, Gincalva's parents, Steve and Christy, have also said they back Jack 1,000%, and so did, so did the, uh, her sister. Miller dismissed speculation online that her nephew committed the murders as ridiculous conspiracies, adding, we all know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's no way that Jack would ever do anything like that to anybody. Which, of course, is true until he did. You know what I mean? Not Jack. But nobody's a murderer until they murder, right? Who's capable of something until they do it? Just thought. She said now that now Decor is struggling with the thought of returning to university. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's hard for him to think about going back to Moscow because his life there was very involved with Kaylee. Not only that, but everybody thinks he did it. I don't think the boy did it, and I'm going to tell you why. People think he did it. Hell, maybe he did do it. Maybe he didn't do it. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. 
Miller's behind a give send go fundraiser to collect two hundred or twenty thousand dollars to help get the Ginkalva's family fund a private investigator and legal team to help solve the case. This is news, so now we know what that investigator is there for to help solve the case. And how is only twenty thousand dollars going to fund an investigator and a legal team? The very last thing that the family wants is for this to be a cold case. Now, this is where this starts to get interesting. Uh, this is the University of Idaho alumni, Cole Altender. And he lived in the house on the second floor. And he suggests, contrary to what all of us have heard before, that this is an old house where sound carries very well and anybody can hear anything in the house very interesting he says the creek creepy not creepy creaky old property you got a third floor a second floor first floor and we're not going to go over all this but we will we have we do have more about his interview here now an extent of the house, you know, where the four students were stabbed to death, he suggested the victims may have heard the killer enter the house because every footstep can be heard in the creaky old property. Each floor has two bedrooms and a bathroom. He graduated in 2022. He lived in a bedroom on the second floor of the house and directly above one of the first floor bedrooms. He described on Friday how tenants could hear footsteps resonate through every part of the home. He said, you can't walk up any of the stairs or on any of the floors without everybody in the house knowing it. He was a former track standout. He lived there. And that's what he had to say. But here's, here's another interesting thing. He said that the home that's in the cul-de-sac, he said it's called Fratlanus by students due to his proximity to Fraternity Row. He also boosted poor insulation. You hear me? Poor insulation, a ventilation system that allowed tenants to hear everybody talking throughout the house. Now, he lived there before the renovation, okay? But who's to say that people actually renovate the uh, insulation in the walls. He said his roommates were used to the noise and eventually learned to tune them out. So again, this was on a party night. Maybe something was tuned out. He said a lot of students are very familiar with the inside of the home. He described uh, at parties, people would hop the fence and just like walk away if the cops came. And also... We're going to go into this in another clip we're about to view soon. It's a police body cam footage. But they call this place, this Fratlantis, is in a little dip, you know, like a bowl. So even if there's sound in that house that is not too loud, it reverberates and echoes throughout the whole neighborhood. So it sounds like it's a lot worse than they are, almost like an amplification, like an amphitheater or something. So this speaks to a lot of the noise complaints how serious the cops took that basically they'd go over there and say you need to quiet it down and things like that 
So that's where we are with that. Um, hold on. While I'm pulling up this next clip, enjoy this brief interlude. It's a voicemail. Hey, man, there's a guy on the internet radio. He's got like a Jim Perry TV and Jim Perry TV 2 with Mr. X. They sound kind of cool, man, you know what I'm saying? What was the question? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. How's that? Thank you. Now to new details on the murder of four students at the University of Idaho. The campus is shutting down for the holidays with the killer still on the loose. Don't and we're getting a new look at the so-called party house where the victims lived and hearing from one student who once lived there. Andrew Dimbert has the latest. Good morning to you, Andrew. Good morning, Will. So we're getting some new insight into that gruesome crime scene and the house where the murders took place. We're now learning that police spoke with one of the victims on the phone about two months before the killings as part of a noise complaint. This morning, as authorities search for the killer of four University of Idaho students, newly surfaced body cam footage showing a police-involved incident at their home two months before they were killed. No one that lives here is here right now. So where they go? They're just not here. I have no clue where they went. No clue. Authorities seen responding to a noise complaint in September, greeted by people who didn't live at the house. Officers then speaking with Maddie Mogan, one of the victims, by phone, who along with the other residents was not there at the time. What's your first name? Maddie? It could be. Maybe. Maybe. And how do you spell that, Maddie? My, like, legal name is Madison. It's M-A-D-I-S-O-N. The video showing how many outsiders were able to access the property. And as the mystery grows over how the killer was able to get away unnoticed, a former student who graduated in 2022 and lived at the same house during his junior year talks about his experience there. It's definitely an old creaky house. You can't walk up any of the stairs or on any of the floors without everybody in the house knowing it. Cole Alternator says the building doesn't offer much privacy and was well known to students. A lot of students um, are very familiar with the inside of the home around the community. There have been thousands of people that have likely been through it throughout the years. Even when we had it, there were people that would come and knock on the door or walk in thinking that it was somebody else's house. Now, as the school closes for winter break, the house and campus quiet. But police say they're certain. I found some in, in, information, excuse me. I found some information recently that the crimes here in this area, this Fratlantis, have increased, but it's being hidden by the. It's hidden by the police department and downplayed by the university, I should say. Search for the killer will not slow down. We're going to continue to push through the holidays. Um, we have a team that uh, will continue to do the investigation and work on that um, as we uh, move through the holidays. As the investigation continues and still no suspects named, police are apparently looking for a white car seen near the house the night of the killings. At the very least, authorities believe the people inside the car may have important information about this still unsolved quadruple homicide. So one thing I want to say is last week we had a gentleman that called and he lives in a small university town, much like this, but in a different part of the country. And he said to him, it seems like they were at the corner club that night and they met somebody had some kind of minor altercation with them but at the corner club he felt like the parties were very serious individuals and he thinks that's where the conflict and ultimately the murder came from
And I thought that was a good point because that explained a lot of things. That explained why Jack S. was walking them, felt the need to walk them down and was worried. That explains why they were talking about, did you tell Adam everything that was the bartender? And I heard that Jack S. was kicked out of that place that night, but he seemed sober. It's making me think that he was kicked out for being confrontational to other customers, perhaps in regard to the girls. This is all speculation uh, of the wild-ass variety. True. But it seemed to make sense. But now I'm seeing another picture that could possibly fit in my mind. Maybe better. Some of you guys think that this was something that was random. You think this was a crime of opportunity. But you still think that maybe the neighbor, the roommates knew more. I think there, there there's an, another scenario, and I think this might be highly likely. And I don't think the police are looking at it this way, but for some reason I really think that the police know who they think it is. But let me go into this. I got this body cam footage. I'm going to play it for you a little bit of it. Not a lot. The links to everything I'm talking about is going to be in the description below. So this is a body cam video of somebody who didn't live at the house. They lived at a house beside that house. Something very odd, very creepy, very disturbing happened, although it's kind of subtle. Open the door. I was like, hey, did you bring my suitcase up? And she's like, yeah, I was in the middle of the road. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. Oh, your suitcase was in and the I, middle of the road? Yeah, it was like back over here, and I had it in the back of my car. Oh, interesting. I was they... like, maybe I forgot and just left it out. Right. And I take it inside, and I open it, and all the stuff that I had, oh, I locked it, I should have been all the stuff I had up here, all my pay stubs, the stuff I had in the center console, my sunglasses I was literally wearing yesterday were all shoved inside my suitcase, and like, it was like zips back up and so everything that you had in your front seat was now in your suitcase yeah. okay and then there's like a shoe print over here and then there's like my fuse box under my steering wheel is like opened i'm gonna get my keys okay. <laughs> i just left it like awesome thank you yeah i'm right. trying to steal it all right so i'm gonna explain this clip to you the full clip's gonna be available in the description below this is a clip from plunder this is of body cam footage of a student who came from boise she drove home that night. She parked her car. She still had some of her stuff in it, some of the stuff she was moving, like a TV, a suitcase full of clothes, a bag full of clothes. And she said somebody took some of the random things out of her car, put them in this bag, took the bag and set it outside of her car on the road. They pilfered through her fuse box, and there was a pair of her panties that were out in the cup holder that were in the bag. And there's a big shoe print that's in the seat. It was a male shoe print. Big boot. So, pretty weird. I'm thinking this is a pervert. The police here in this uh, video that you can watch because there's going to be a link in the description below after the show. I think there's... Uh, some kind of sexual perverted prowler in the area. I think this is somebody that has a clear view in this neighborhood of all these things going on. I think he's looking in the houses. I think he knows what girl lives in what 
a house. I'm thinking he might even know what rooms they live in because he wants to know everything. He might even try to go into their rooms. Depending on how old he is, I'm thinking this is an older individual. I'm thinking this is somebody that doesn't still go to college, although it could be someone in college. I'm thinking it's somebody who has a job outside of the college. He still lives in the area around these college girls, and he's a predator. That is what I'm thinking. So you can let me know what you think. As soon as I open up the phone lines. All right. Let me go ahead and play some clips. I got some voicemails right here. So it's very disturbing that somebody would do that. I think there's somebody in the area that's a creeper. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're a murderer, but usually somebody starts at a low level and crawls up to what I've, all the investigations I've done. Somebody asked me if I was in the police department ever because I think on my website or my description on YouTube, I said I'm an investigator. I am an investigator, but not for the police department. Have you guys seen my documentaries? If you haven't, check it out. There were two, Jack D. and the other ex-boyfriend, Jake. Just a psychic feeling, two of them, not one, but Jack D. for sure. You know, that's another thing somebody else sent me in an email. They think that Jack D. and Jack S. were involved in it together. Jack S. was the one, supposedly, according to this wild-ass theory, was the one that was keeping tabs on the girls and letting Jack D know where they were at. And that's why Jack S fled so fast because he knew what was going to happen. It's a wild ass theory. But more than one of you guys have said that, so that's why I'm bringing it up. Hey, um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm calling from Mississippi. I'm a grandmother. And... Kaylee would have been 15, and he's six years older than her. Uh, he would have been 20, 21 when that relationship began. So he would have a lot of manipulative power over her for years. He, my money's on Jack D. I think he was uh, not the person that he, he seems. I think he was probably a real nasty person to her, made her cry, etc. for years. And I think Maddie influenced her to dump him. So Maddie got it too. I don't think he did that alone. I think there were two of them in that murder. I think there was the other ex-boyfriend was Jake Schreiger. Gave the, why didn't uh, Jack Ducour give a, a speech at the vigil? He didn't. Uh, the other boyfriend gave a speech, and I didn't buy it. I thought it was so fake. I think he did it. He's in Sigma Chi, and I think Jack D did it. I think they both did it together. I think there were two killers. How many of you and guys think that? that's a psychic feeling I have. It's nothing that I can base anything on. 
Wild ass. It's just a grandmother's psychic feeling. I'm 80 years old. Wow. But I put my money 100% on Jack Dukua, and I also really, really strongly feel there were two people that did that. I'm not going to call them people. There was two killers. Jake Schreiger, his uh, tribute to his, he claims his ex-girlfriend, he said he called her every night and every more, every evening to say I love you, and she said that. So the night of the murders, he didn't call her. He didn't call her the next morning. He didn't seem to care that he couldn't get through to her because she was dead. So that seems weird. Anyway, that's just what I think happened. Uh, have a good, blessed 2023, y'all. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and I have to say that all these calls I've played for you, this, these have happened yesterday. This was on Christmas. So you guys are awesome for thinking about us on Christmas. I appreciate it very much. Hi, this is Pam from Arkansas. Hey, Pam. I think J.S. Uh, was keeping an eye on the girls. And I think when the girls left, he he went back to where he was going to meet J.B., J.D., and did the deed. And I bet you anything that they had burner phones keeping up with each other and where the girls were. I hope this, I hope... I hope they catch them, both of them. I do have to say this. I'm going to reiterate it, that I really, really, really feel like the police know who it is. I think it might be somebody who whose family does have a lot of political pull. I think it's somebody who has money, for representation and probably got it from the get-go probably the next morning and that's why they're not talking about it all right so let's go ahead and talk about this legal case involving this tiktoker i'm not going to play the whole video the whole video is from long crime this will set us off and having this conversation you and me about slander libel and defamation of character now of course you guys know that slander is something spoken and libel is something written okay but in the case tiktok and actually both applies especially if you use the, the caption so here we go in case you didn't know let me show you that's after she backstabs the killer she's not gonna live up to her promises for him a TikToker and self-proclaimed internet sleuth sued for defamation after she repeatedly claims a University of Idaho history professor is responsible for the murders of four students. So how strong is this professor's case? 
I'm Anjanette Levy, and welcome to Law & Crime's Sidebar Podcast. Imagine waking up one day and finding out that there's a TikTok page basically dedicated to calling you a murderer. That happened to Professor Rebecca Schofield of the University of Idaho. She is a history professor there, and Schofield is suing a woman named Ashley Gillard for defamation after Gillard posted more than 20 videos accusing Schofield of taking... More than 20 accusing her of doing it, not saying that she might have done it, not saying that this was opinion, but saying that she knew. Taking part in the murders and having a relationship with one of the victims. Maddie Mogan, Kaylee Gun. And listen to that, having a relationship with one of the victims. These are going to be important when I go over the points of defamation. Salvis, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin were all murdered in an off-campus home on November 13th. Schofield says, to her knowledge, she's never met any of these students, and she's never had any of them in her history classes. And this would be easily proven. Right after the murders, Ashley Gillard started posting TikTok videos about Professor Schofield, claiming that she partnered with some... Her address is ashisgod.com. Someone else to commit these murders. According to Schofield's lawsuit, her lawyer sent two cease and desist letters to. Two cease and desist letters, okay? Two. Gillard, but she didn't stop posting about her and claiming that the professor was involved in the murders. Kermit Roosevelt is a constitutional. Okay, you're not going to hear from the constitutional lawyer, although I'm not sure what his knowledge is about this since he's a constitutional lawyer. But this is very basic. Law, law matters really, really basic. So let me take, I don't know, myself as an example. Uh, I did have a video up about a Mr. Peacock, which is not his real name, by the way, just so you know. It's not really Peacock. Again, in that video, I said this was a possible, what did I say, person of interest. Was it personal interest, person of interest, or possible suspect? I believe it was person of interest. Nevertheless, I didn't directly accuse this individual. I just said I would really question this guy. I didn't do a million videos about this guy. I didn't accuse him of doing anything that wasn't true. I accused him of baking buns, and I accused him of making apple pies and painting houses. Uh, I said he could have had direct access. He could have had knowledge. I said I would look at this guy. I didn't go on about this guy. I didn't even say that I thought this guy did it. So there's a difference. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because there's a lot of people that gave me comments and emails saying that you're this is defamation, this is doxing, and none of the above, none of the above. It really was not. And it wasn't. it also was not clickbait. And I also wasn't trying to get popular because of this horrible tragedy. This case of these four college kids being murdered. That wasn't what happened at all. I, every day I was covering crimes and then I caught this crime. And the more I thought about it, the more it bugged me. I saw Donna Serafina's video and then it opened me up to new possible suspects. And then that name fit in a lot of areas. Not that he did it, but that's the difference. Now, what is defamation? I know about this because I had a defamation case recently. 
So this is why I know within the year, which within this year I did, somebody was defaming me. And they were. So for it to be defamation, it has to be on a platform, you know, where you're broadcasting over the internet. I'm talking about more modern ways. And it's going to a large group of people. So here on TikTok, that definitely, I saw like 100,000 something followers, that definitely falls under that category. Another thing, it has to be a lie, right? There has to be verifiable lies, okay? Now, the professor's going to have an easy time proving, hey, look, here's all my class roster. I never had these kids. There's no evidence that I ever even talked to them. That's enough, a preponderance of the evidence to verify that the TikToker was lying. All right. And um, there's some serious charges that can be brought up against this. Um, she was sent two cease and desist letters. Okay. So before a lawyer would will even send out a cease and desist letter, all the boxes have to be checked, all the I's dotted and T's crossed. So the professor had to send the evidence that what she's saying is a lie to the lawyer. Um, she had to also send the video evidence from the TikToker. And that was just for the cease and desist, and it didn't work. Then they did another one. And the lawyer wouldn't keep going on, and the professor wouldn't keep going on a defamation case if they didn't need to and if they couldn't win. So what are we looking at here? What is this TikToker, what's going to happen to her? Oh, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. We're talking about, depending on what state you're in, there are, there's criminal charges that can be filed for it. Not just civil. You guys know what happened to Alex Jones, and that's a good example of it too. It's a verifiable lie. Not only, they didn't just, it's not something they said once as a constant act. They're sent a cease and desist and they keep going. Or they're contact, you can also be contacted by the individual for them to tell you to stop and you keep going. Now, in his case, he went on for five years. In this person's case, they've been going on for however long this case started. Horrible. This is deplorable. I mean, there's a difference there. There's a difference between talking about it discussing it and going die hard into something guys we don't know what the police even know we have no clue so as much as we feel you can feel with all your heart that it was jack d um and honestly i don't and again i can't say that it's not him but you can't go on day after day and people tell you to stop and you keep going People don't know that. People, some people get behind here with no education. I mean, it's very dangerous, very dangerous. And to get a cease and desist and still keep going, it's uh, something else. So probably with the two cease and desists, here's what I'm thinking happened. And if we have any lawyers here, 
or people that have some familiarity with this whole process, feel free to call them when I open up the voice lines. Please, by all means, this is you guys' show. This is a conversation with you. The first cease and desist, I've noticed the lawyers send out casually for some reason. And the second one, they probably had to sign for. So that's what I'm thinking that happened. So they had it. Let's see what I got. I got, um, if you guys want to talk more about that, we surely can. I'm going to open up the voice line now. I always say voice line, the call line. The call line is now open, 325-261-0892, taking your, taking your calls, uh, 325-261-0892. I feel like I might be losing my voice a bit. I do have some more voicemails. Talk to text. Ashley probably doesn't know the definition of cease to assist. That Banfield video really kind of disturbed me earlier. How they would put something out there like it was new information. Uh, do I have the first part of that clip again? Because I want to show you. Breaking. So check this out. I noticed that Ashley... You see her? Well, I looked her up because honestly, before like a month or two ago, I didn't even know who the hell Ashley Banfield was. I looked her up and she was right at the World Trade Center when it collapsed and she did that cover. So this is it's where she kind of got her start. And she was like 30 something then in, in 20, 2001. Isn't that when the World Trade Center collapsed? And she actually looks better now than she did then, so I don't know if she had a lot of work done or not. So I noticed this video here. News tonight, 40... It keeps showing. Let me see. And I noticed that her shirt's open, and yet there's no cleavage. And I'm like, there's no... There, there should be some, but there's not. What's going on here? I was disturbed. I got some new voicemails here. All right, so I got some texts. I guess I'll go over texts right now until somebody calls in. What time are we looking at here? I don't know. I'm pretty shy. My friend played football at University of Idaho. I went to Boise State. He said murders are more common in Moscow than I would think. His teammate was killed. A professor killed a student. When people go missing and are found later, they don't add it up to crime stats. Very interesting. Oh, here's something else I was going to say about the panties. About the panties in the, uh, the car that somebody touched. It seems to me like they would be able, they should have took the panties with them and maybe got DNA from them. Like maybe there was something, uh, hand-touched DNA that was on the panties from that one 
video we saw earlier. Maybe they could link that up. Just a thought. You can also see the boot print in that seat. Maybe they could take that and look at the footprints outside of the house. Maybe something like that. All right. Well, it looks like you guys aren't interested in calling in. We're going to go ahead and call tonight. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for watching today. If anybody's interested in producing the show to help it go forward, there will be links in the description below. Got some more information for you guys tomorrow. I'll be back at 5 a.m. tomorrow, and we're going to be here at 5 a.m. sharp. Until next time, all my best. And I'm going to take you out special way today. I'm going to take you out what I like to call chewing gum style. Get your skis shined up, grab a stick of juicy fruit. The taste is gonna move ya. Take a sniff, pull it out. The taste is gonna move ya when you pop it in your mouth. Double pleasure's waiting for you. A double pleasure from Double Mint Gum. A double great feeling, making you realize Double is the one for you.